You are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And once again, I am here alone today for you because of the current quarantine measures. Normally, I have with me Maggie the Mags running the board. But as long as the current pandemic is going on, things will be done a little differently. Everyone will be separated, whether I have guests on or not. Everything is done separately. So if it sounds different from prior episodes, that is the reason why. So before we get into today's topic, our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is that anything that I say or any view I espouse or Anyone who guests on this episode or on prior episodes or on future episodes, everything is strictly our opinion. So you can disagree with it or you can agree with it. We're not trying to say that we hold the only correct view on certain things. We're not trying to say that we are the ultimate source of truth. So now with that out of the way, today's episode will be about The Air Jordan 1. Yes, we are revisiting our first episode. So if you go all the way back to... I don't even know now. It feels like it's been 20 years. But if you go back to our very first episode, where I talk about the Air Jordan 1 being banned, along with how winter boots are useless. Uh, If you have not listened to those, go back and take a listen if you'd like. But today we are revisiting the Air Jordan 1 part of that episode. Now you may be asking, oh, why are you revisiting that? Are you already out of ideas? And the answer is yes. No, the answer, (laughs) I still have, I still have more things that annoy me and bother me and things you got to hear about. But no, I am, I am revisiting this topic because things have changed since that last episode and i have become annoyed in a new way so as we'll get into in a second so the air jordan 1 is as i've talked about in a few few prior episodes is a popular shoe still produced by nike originally it came out in 1985 so about 35 years ago and like i said it's still popular to this very day the world of sneakers has exploded within like the last five, ten years. And it will still be growing for at least another five to ten years. So sneakers have become huge. And the Air Jordan 1 is one of those kind of like very influential with uh, lasting uh, staying power. So it's still relevant today as it was 35 years ago when it first was released. And the Air Jordan line itself has been a line of signature shoes that has been very successful with 35 models now out and probably next year 36th one so it still holds relevancy at least at this very moment at the time of this recording so if you have not listened to the first episode uh, i'm not going to make you go back and listen i mean you can if you want to also hear about like i said how winter boots are useless but one of the things that I had mentioned, so the quick backstory around around the Air Jordan 1 is that it was banned by the NBA. Ooh, banned. Yes, it was banned. But when you do actual research into the topic, you realize it was not, in fact, 
banned by the NBA. So this fact has been a little tidbit that every person who talks about the Air Jordan 1 now, whether it's a website article or newspaper article or a YouTube video or what have you, anyone who mentions the shoe now will say, aha, the Air Jordan 1 was in fact not banned by the NBA. This is what you'll hear now. So when I first did the episode, everyone was talking about how the Air Jordan 1 was banned. Now everyone's saying, aha, the Air Jordan 1 was not actually banned. That was just a little bit of marketing, a little bit of clever marketing done by Nike. It was, in fact, a different shoe model worn by Michael Jordan that was banned. It was the Airship. This is what you'll hear now. People will be like, the Air, Air Jordan 1 was not actually banned. It was the Airship. That is the shoe that is the real band shoe. That's what you'll hear. The real band shoe was the airship. And I am here to say, like I said in the previous episode, that neither shoe was banned. That's right. Neither shoe was banned. And we're going to get into it as to how I've come to this conclusion and how you can too. Okay, so again, let's start off here with the Air Jordan 1. So, again, neither shoe was banned the air jordan one the airship neither one of those shoes were banned now what is a banned shoe i guess that's the question that you have to ask what is a banned shoe we're going to get into what banned shoes are and what i consider something to be banned before we get into what is banned and actual banned shoes and stuff let's take it back to 1984 So at the time, the NBA had strict uniform rules. So that kind of governed how players were dressed and color combinations that they could have for the uniforms. So one of them was that there had to be like a white jersey and then like a non-white jersey for your home and away teams. This extended down to the shoes. So you had kind of two elements to the uniform policy with regards to shoes. One of them was that they had to be at least 51% white and they could have a little accent color that matched the team colors. So if you're the Boston Celtics, their main color is green. So you could have 51% white shoe with some green accent colors. Now, sometimes from what I've read and research that I've done is that there would be exceptions made. So you, Again, using the Boston Celtics as an example, you could have like a green shoe if everyone was wearing a green shoe. But it's again, it's hard to find concrete information of this kind because I don't think it's something people really paid attention to all that much since mostly shoes were white or black. Either way, there wasn't a whole lot of coloration uh, at this point in time. So again, 51% white. I did see some... Sources saying 51% white or black, but at this time, I don't think the black was the case. I think later on, it was either 51% white or black. So there was that, and then there was the team uniformity. So not only did you have to have 51% white on the shoe, but then everyone on the team had to have that same percentage of white on the shoe. So it couldn't just be, well, at least 51%. So it couldn't just be... Oh, two or three players have it, and then you know one player doesn't have it, or one player has a completely different set of colors. So it had to be everyone's wearing white shoes, or everyone's wearing black shoes. 
that was kind of kind of how it worked. So when Michael Jordan laced up his Nike shoe, which was initially the Nike Airship that was colored in the manner in which they're planning to release the Air Jordan 1. So the Air Jordan 1 was supposed to have a black and red shoe and a white, black, and red shoe. So the away shoe, I'm assuming, would go with the road uniform, which would be predominantly red. And I imagined he would have a black and red shoe to go with that because the Chicago Bulls colors were black, white, and red. And then for their home games, they had a predominantly white jersey with red highlights. So they would wear the red, black, and white shoe. But the NBA caught wind of this black and red shoe, which was the airship and an exhibition game, I think, against the New York Knicks. And they're kind of like, whoa, 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 we do not like that shoe. That, that black and red shoe that you're wearing? Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, 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 that's not going to work. You can't wear that. So Nike said, OK, we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to wear it. That's fine. That's fine. We won't wear the black and red shoe. So black and red shoe gone, like in terms of NBA play. Got the next time it makes an appearance, and this time an actual Air Jordan one is at the All Star game when Michael Jordan participates in the dunk contest, which is not a league sanctioned game, so you can wear whatever you want pretty much. So at the All Star game, at the dunk contest, he wore black and red Air Jordan ones. And if you look at footage or photos from this, he's also wearing gold chains around his neck, something you cannot wear. <laughs> In an actual NBA game, because again, this is not a sanctioned game. It is the dunk contest, something entirely different. So there's a little bit more flexibility on the shoes or what you can wear. League officials see Michael Jordan wearing a black and red shoe and they send out a letter, which you can find. And if you go back to the first episode, I linked to to the letter that the NBA had sent saying that, whoa, 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 we saw that black and red shoe again. We want to remind you, you can't wear a black and red shoe. So Nike took this, and this is kind of how they burst their initial campaign around the Air Jordan 1, that it was banned. It was banned from the NBA, and their initial commercial was saying that the NBA threw them out of the game, but they can't stop you from buying them. And that was their initial hook. It was like, oh, these are so good for our star athlete that we just signed that he can't even wear them in the NBA. But guess what? You can go out and buy them. Now, was it successful because of that strategy? I don't know. Could be. Could be also Michael Jordan was an amazing player. He won Rookie of the Year that year. So someone who definitely stood out, who definitely brought attention to the Chicago Bulls. Definitely, you could see this was someone on the rise. So could that have played a part in it? Maybe. So hard to say of any one factor that led to the, the success of the shoe. Because as I had mentioned in a previous episode, there's an article from the Chicago Tribune that mentions that uh, Nike sold between three to four million pairs of Air Jordan 1s, making about $55 million. So that's pretty good. Not really going to argue with that number if I'm Nike. That's that's, that's pretty uh, pretty good sales. And then that's the myth that has lasted up until this very day. Because you'll read more recent articles where people will talk about how the Air Jordan 1 was initially banned by the nba and then again you have this like slight tweaking now where people are saying oh no 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 it was the airship that was the actual banned shoe but like i said previous neither shoe was banned so i don't consider this banning because it was quote-unquote banned for cosmetic reasons 
The only reason why the shoe was not accepted was its color combination. So Jordan wore both shoes, the Airship and then the Air Jordan 1, because when Jordan started, the Air Jordan 1 was still being developed. So up until it was ready, outside probably from like a few samples here and there, up until it was actually ready, he wore Airships. Now maybe he, he went back and forth during the season, I don't know. During this time, there's not a lot of footage of games or photos of a lot of games, so hard to know. If uh, he switched over at one point and then just carried on wearing Air Jordan 1s or if he went back and forth. Hard to say. But at any rate, he wore both shoes in games. The only difference was that they were not colored black and red. So if you have not seen these shoes, the band coloring is that the shoe is predominantly black with some red highlights. And so the NBA did not like this. They wanted people to wear white shoes and have a little bit of a highlight color. So the shoes that were accepted were the other variations of the Air Jordan 1 that had basically red and white color blocking. And then there was a variation that had like red, white, and black. But it was predominantly a white shoe with some red and black highlight colors. And then that was okay. And then for the Airship, it was white and red. So no problem. So the shoes themselves were never banned. The only thing that was not accepted was how they were colored. So when you say a shoe is banned, that means you cannot wear that shoe. It has nothing to do with how it's colored. So I call this like a cosmetic banning because it just violated the NBA's uniform policy, which in subsequent years, they have relaxed those kind of rules. Now I'm pretty sure it's open season. You can almost wear anything so long as it doesn't have third-party logos. So a logo of some kind of brand that is not approved by the NBA because once you start getting logos and brands involved, it has to do with sponsorship and money. And so that's where things kind of go off the rails a little bit because they don't want you promoting certain things. If there's a sponsor already for the NBA, they don't want, hey, how come that like if McDonald's is, is, is a sponsor of the NBA and someone has a Burger King logo on their shoe for whatever reason, McDonald's going to go, hey, how come they're getting advertised when we're, when we're paying to have our name out there? So it, it, it kind of like revolves around that thing. That's the only like real restriction placed on shoes. But otherwise, in terms of coloring and materials, like cosmetic materials, sometimes shoes will be quote unquote banned or not allowed because they're too reflective. Uh, in material so there's a couple of shoes like the Yeezy Quantum another thing could be if um, one of the materials on the shoe is like a hard plastic could break could become sharp it's it's stuff like that where it's like more based on materials and colors in terms of its cosmetics than anything with the shoe itself related to performance because when you think about it and from what I've read that there's no real rules around what constitutes a basketball shoe other than that it has to be closed toe. So you could wear almost anything. And there have been some players who have worn some weird freaking shoes that wouldn't be obvious choices to wear uh, as a basketball shoe. But basically, as long as it's closed toe, there's not much dictating on what constitutes a basketball shoe at least in the nba so these these bannings that we have here like i said around the air jordan one around the airship 
beyond what Nike says, because Nike doesn't really care about that. Nike just wants to sell you a shoe. That's their main goal. So if they can take it at the angle that like, ooh, the NBA won't let Michael Jordan wear it, but you can wear it. That's their angle. That's what they're going to go with. And people like repeat it because that's what they're told. So it makes sense. But as I have said, the shoes were not actually banned because to me, a banned shoe is like you cannot wear the shoe at all because it gives you some kind of competitive advantage. So does the Air Jordan 1 or the Airship give anyone a competitive advantage? I would argue no, because this is what you want from a shoe. At least when you're playing basketball, you want something that's going to stick to the floor. So basically have good grip. You don't want to be slipping and sliding around because you can hurt yourself. You want something that's going to lock in your heel to the footbed. Because, again, you don't want shoe to slip around. You don't want your foot to slip off the footbed. You don't want to sprain ankle. And then you probably just want something light so you can move up and down the court and flexible so you can move up and down the court easily. Basically, what you want to wear on your foot is something that will prevent you from getting injured. That's what you want in a basketball shoe. And then also cushioning. So what the, the midsole is made up of. Initially... Up until, I guess, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, shoes, soles, and midsoles were just solid rubber. But since then, the midsole technology with different foams and different materials, have, you know, the, the improvements have been made in this regard. So basically, it gives you, you want something that's going to give you support and cushion and not, you know, kill your joints from running and jumping up and down during a basketball game because basketball is very physically intense if you've never played it it's it's, it is intense and if you're running up and down you're jumping up and down it puts a lot of force on your joints and your body so you want a shoe that's going to help reduce stress absorb some of that energy absorb some of that impact so that your like knees for example don't kill and obviously you don't want something that's going to cause you to twist your ankle or cause anything else. It cause you to slip, land funny, break your arm, break your leg, something like that. So that's basically what you want from a shoe. So any good shoe should provide those things. Basically, like I said, so you do not get injured. So does the Air Jordan 1 provide some kind of unfair competitive advantage? No, I don't think so. There's nothing to suggest that it does. Because if it, if it was a concern... The NBA would have banned it, which would mean that no matter what the coloring is on the shoe, you could not wear the shoe. That, to me, that's what a banning is. When something is rejected for its cosmetics because it violates, like I said, their uniform policy, that's not really being banned. Because once you just, okay, we, we change the color of the shoe, then it's fine. So they're not really banned. It's a cosmetics choice that the NBA was strict on at the time. And like I said, they've loosened it to the point now, color-wise, you can wear pretty much whatever. It doesn't have to match your uniform anymore. It doesn't have to match what the other players are wearing anymore. We're going to jump ahead in time here a little bit. So, in 1995, so roughly about 10 years later, Jordan comes back from retirement because he retired at the end of the 1993 season because his father was murdered and he was... I think probably reached his end with fame and basketball and stuff like that. And he needed some time off. So he goes to play baseball, but then I guess baseball wasn't doing it anymore. And he is like, okay, I'm going to come back to the NBA. So he does. He comes back to join the Chicago Bulls at the end of the 94, 95 season. 
I think about a month or two months before the end of the season. Anyways, he joins them there and uh, throughout the playoffs. So in, I believe, the Eastern Conference final, or was it the second round? I can't remember. But anyways, when they play the Orlando Magic in the 1995 playoffs, just before game one of that series, Jordan is shown the upcoming Air Jordan model, which would be the Air Jordan 11. So it has a white upper mesh material, and then it's surrounded by a black patent leather. So the shoe is white and black on the upper. Now, at this time during the playoffs, the Bulls would switch to wearing black shoes. So during the regular season, the Chicago Bulls would wear predominantly white shoes. Then in the playoffs, they would switch to predominantly black shoes. Again, so this was part of the NBA's uniform policy, at least with regards to shoes, is that you had to have predominantly white or black shoes. And then the team also had to have predominantly white or black shoes. So you could not have. Uh, one person wearing white shoes and the rest of the team wearing all black shoes. So basically the team had to have all black or all white or predominantly black or predominantly white shoes. So at this time, Jordan gets, like I said, the Air Jordan 11 coming prototype or sample, whatever you want to call it. He loves it so much. He's like, I'm going to wear these. Nike was like, please do not wear these. But he did. So he wore them in the first two games. But because the Chicago Bulls were wearing predominantly black shoes, this contravened the uniform policy for shoes because the, the team was predominantly in black shoes and Jordan was now in a white and black shoe. There's too much white on the shoe. So he was fined. And in this case, I was able to find instance where at least a newspaper article referencing that he was fined by the NBA. The reason why I bring this up is because no one considers that a band. No one calls that particular Air Jordan 11 shoe band. Because you could say, because he had to, he he wore two games, the black and white Air Jordan 11, before it was like, no. And he was fined for both games, $5,000. Because what you'll see for the narrative for the Air Jordan 1, or even if you want to go extend it to the airship, that Jordan was fined $5,000 each time he wore the game. And because Nike was making so much money on the sales, they were selling so many pairs, they didn't care. We will gladly pay that fine. And you realize that's not true at all. Because when Jordan was fine, I don't know who paid it. I don't know if it was him who paid the fine. I don't know if it was the Bulls who paid the fine. I don't know if it was Nike who paid the fine. Whoever paid it, whatever. He had two games and then was like, no, <laughs> no, you're not wearing those shoes anymore. Because we're not, we're not paying any, any fine. So two fines and it's already like, no, no, no more fines. Because it contravened the shoe policy at the time. So there was no, and again, this is Jordan after he's already won three championships in a row. So even bigger than he was as a rookie. So you're telling me that, Michael Jordan? Oh, we're not paying $5,000 even now you're even a bigger star than when we first signed you? So that like, even if something is successful, you're not wasting money. No company, no person wants to waste money like that. Even if you have money, even if you have a billion dollars, you want to pay $10,000 every time for something? No, you probably want to keep it because it's a waste. So if you look during that series, what was he wearing? I think he was wearing Penny Hardaway's shoes that he wore for one game. And he like ripped off the logos on them because he had to have a black shoe to fit the uniform policy until they got another version of the Air Jordan 11 that was all black. 
So that goes to show you that, okay, how come this isn't considered banned? So it's not, it's not banned because it was just a color thing. The shoe itself was not banned. So what is a banned shoe then? What would I consider or what would other people consider banned? Like banning a shoe. What would need to happen for a shoe to be banned is basically what I'm asking. So you might say if a shoe creates an unfair competitive advantage, then that's something that probably should be banned. It's kind of like when you consider doping. The reason why doping is banned is because it gives an unfair competitive advantage to whoever is receiving the enhancing drugs. So you see it in 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 racing, in cycling. In racing, I mean like foot racing, like you know, hundred meter dash or longer. Uh, marathon type runs are more long long distance runs, if not necessarily marathon because marathon specific distance, but long distance runs, like I said, cycling, uh, baseball, right? They had the whole steroids uh, scandal. It's like all these things. So it gives an unfair competitive advantage. Now, can equipment give unfair competitive advantage? Can shoes actually give unfair competitive advantages? It depends. Because like I said, I don't think the Air Jordan or any model in the Air Jordan line gives you an, uh, an unfair competitive advantage. Even if it does have things like Air or Zoom Air or whatever kind of cushioning in there. I don't think it gives an unfair competitive advantage. Because like I said, basically you want to wear a shoe that's going to result in you not being injured. Like I said, you want something that's going to grip, that's going to cushion you. And that's going to make sure your foot doesn't slip so you don't twist your ankle. So you want heel support, ankle support. That's basically what you want from a shoe. And being able to play the game. That's it. You don't want something that's super clunky where you're like walking around like Frankenstein. Or Frankenstein's monster if you want to get technical. Right? You want something that's going to keep you quick and on and, and uh, uh, nimble and reactive. Right? That's what you want. So shoes are equipment. If you want to extend it to something beyond shoes that are banned are a result of an unfair competitive advantage that is gained. So I do have two examples that I want to bring in with regards to this, just to illustrate how or why a piece of equipment would be banned and why I don't consider the Air Jordan 1 or, like I said, the airship, like people are now quick to to point to, to pass it on, to say, ah, it was actually this shoe that was banned, not this other one. So the first thing we're going to look at is the Vaporfly, which is a running shoe. So if you don't know what a Vaporfly is, look it up. It first came out in 2017, and it's been used in a number of long-distance races. And most of the time when you see running shoes advertised, they're for your everyday Joe who's going on a run, or maybe not even going on a run, someone who likes to wear athleisure clothing, or athleisure shoes. You know, most of the time they're, they're casual, most running shoes. I'd say they're casual because you don't really see athletes wearing them. So a lot of time they give you these benefits of like, oh, this is going to make you do this, this, and this. And when you look at athletes who like seriously train and you know, this is what they do for a living, training for runs or whatever it is, whatever physical activity it is. They don't wear that same thing. So you're just kind of like, mm, there's a little disconnect there. But the Vaporfly is a shoe that you can buy in stores, but people, top athletes, wear them. And they've been winning in them. 
there had been a number of long-distance records that were broken with athletes wearing the Vaporfly. And so at the beginning of this year, they were considered, the beginning of 2020, they were being considered as being banned from international competition because people were wondering, is this giving an unfair competitive advantage for runners? Because like I said, for both men and women's long distance, I forget the, the length of the, long, of the run, but for these races, the, the world records were broken. So the Vaporfly was under consideration for being banned for the Olympics coming up. Well, they've been postponed now, but at the beginning of the year, they were coming up. So what did the Vaporflies do differently? Well, they had better energy return. And they were supposed to improve your time by, by 4%. So you can imagine an increase of 4% on your running time. That's a significant improvement. If it's just based on the shoe, you change absolutely nothing else on how you train. And the shoe can deliver such an increased amount of performance. So what made the shoe different is that it had, I mean, one, it had a carbon fiber spring plate, which uh, added like stability to the shoe and a bit of rigidity to the shoe as well. But it had a new foam inside of the midsole that was called Zoom X. And this greatly reduced the weight of the shoe. The upper itself is almost like nothing in terms of its weight. But then the midsole, it has a thick midsole, but it was filled with this new type of foam. It was super light and, like I said, provided really good energy return. So that's what the concern was that, oh, it's doing too good of a job. It's taking effort and skill out of running because the technology is doing too much of the work. So it's making it too easy to reach certain times, I guess. This is what was being questioned if this was true. Ultimately, it was not banned, but there had been concern around how is this going to shape the sport of running, like, like I said, at these high competitive levels. Because, like I said, this was introduced in 2017, but by 2020, like every company was making a similar shoe to the Vaporfly. So then it becomes a question of, oh, will this just make running a question of who has these shoes on? And then, you know, can any Joe Blow come in and win a race. I mean, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think any shoe is that good where you can just put on the shoe and oh, you'll perform. You'll, you'll beat out someone who trains their whole life for this kind of stuff. I'm like, no, I don't think we're at that level yet. I don't know if it's even possible, but I don't think we're there. But there are serious questions around, does this give competitive advantage to whoever wears a shoe? Like if you're winning, sorry, if you're running a race in this shoe, and again, your competition at a similar level, so it's not a case of, well, everyone else is no good and you're the only good one. But basically, if all things are equal except for the shoes, is it guaranteed that someone wearing a Vaporfly or whatever other, other shoe companies come up with, similar type shoe, that you're going to win because of the shoes you have on? So because it wasn't banned, I guess it, this was determined to not be the case because... There have been race winners who have broken uh, some times, but they were wearing different type, different kind of shoe that didn't have the same same kind of makeup or material as the vapor fly. So then it goes into okay, so maybe it's not the shoe specifically, but it's more like the person itself, how they train and how they run and their actual abilities. So that kind of put that to rest, at least for now anyways, until maybe it comes up later. 
So another example, and this is more related to basketball. The reason why I bring up the vapor fly is because it was such a huge thing and it was studied quite a bit. So I was able to actually find information on the shoe in terms of like studies that were done by people who, you know, look into like biomechanics and look into like the material science of how the shoes are made and actually perform tests and get like results to see how it aids or like how it gives, you know, the energy return. So the quantifiable data is easier to find than this next example, which did not have the same kind of thing surrounding it. But like I said, another example of a banned shoe, this is actually banned by the NBA, not for cosmetic reasons. Like I said, like the Air Jordan 1 or any other shoe, like I said, the Yeezy Quantum, because it had uh, too much shiny material on it. It's called the APL which stands for Athletic Propulsion Labs, Concept. So that's the name of the shoe, the concept, and the concept one, two, three. Now this shoe was presented to, because anytime someone wants to wear a shoe, you have to go to the NBA, if you're the shoe manufacturer, and the NBA's got to look at it and be like, yep, that's cool, we like it, or it's it's all good. Or they'll go, nope, you can't wear it for X, Y, Z reason. So until it's approved by the NBA, you can't wear it. So you just can't show up in just any old random shoe, right? Like it has to be shown beforehand you have to get pre-approval basically so this shoe was shown to the nba and the nba banned it now again this was not for cosmetic reasons not like oh it didn't have the right colors so just change the colors and it's fine it's like no this shoe apparently can help you jump higher this is what the company itself claims this is what apl itself claims it'll help you jump higher and it has a what they call a load and launch spring device in the shoe. So I'm not clear if that is an actual spring mechanism or if it's just the kind of foam that is supposed to be springing in the shoe along with like a like a carbon fiber plate or something, kind of like the Vaporfly. But it's supposed to help you increase your vertical leap when you jump. So the NBA saw that. I don't know what test they did because like, this shoe is not as popular. It didn't have as wide of a reach such as international running competitions. So there was not, at least I have not been able to find anything of like independent studies done on the shoe to kind of like test this. I've only been able to see people like on YouTube doing their own like little tests to see if it helps them, helps them jump higher or whatever it is. So again, not as much data compared to like the Vaporfly, but this is something that was banned by the NBA because they determined that, oh no, this gave an unfair competitive advantage as far as I can tell because of the springiness of the shoe and how it's supposed to assist your jump. So again, so if it's true, let's just assume that the shoe works as the company claims because of the load and launch system that the shoe uses, it Again, it would present an unfair competitive advantage because apparently less energy would be exerted. So it becomes easier to jump and then also you can jump higher. So if this is true, you could argue that this is an unfair competitive advantage brought on by the shoe. So it takes out some of the skill and technique of jumping. Now, this is like I said, if we take it at face value of what the company is saying. Because they're doing the same thing as Nike by saying that, oh, the NBA banned our shoe, so, ooh, but you can get it. That's the, They took on the same angle. The main point here is the reason why it's banned is because it's perceived uh, as having an unfair competitive advantage. 
whereas the Air Jordan 1 or perhaps the Airship, there this was never called into question. No one thought, oh, if someone wears this, they're going to have an unfair advantage in the game. It was strictly due to color blocking issues. So once you change the color of the shoe, it was fine. So that's why I don't really consider it banned. Again, if it's a small cosmetic thing, I'm like, eh, it's not really banned. Because, I mean, I understand why you would use that language because you're not allowed to wear it. But the shoe itself, you can wear. It just it wasn't the right color. So that is my issue there with giving the Air Jordan 1 or the Airship, like I said, passing it down the line and being like, oh, no, 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 wait. It was this shoe that was actually banned. It's like, well, no, no shoe was actually banned. Because you could still wear this. Even today, if you wanted to, you could go and wear an Air Jordan 1. I wouldn't recommend playing in Air Jordan 1s because your feet are probably going to kill. If you watched the Last Dance documentary, at at the time, Jordan's last game at Madison Square Garden, he was like, I'm going to bring out my Air Jordan 1s. And these were, this was in 1998. So the Air Jordan 1s he was wearing were original ones from 1985. And he wore those shoes. And he said, at halftime, my feet were bleeding, but I was, having a good, I was having a good game, so I didn't want to take them off. Now, I'm not saying your feet will bleed necessarily, but they're not going to be, you know, comfortable by the time you're done playing. You're going to be probably in a lot of pain and be like, I wish I didn't do that. But you can wear them. It was never a question of the shoe giving an unfair competitive advantage. Now, again, like I said, with that APL shoe, it's not clear that it actually does. Because, like I said, the company is going to claim that it does. That's their angle. And like I said, they use the designation by the NBA as having their shoe banned as bolstering that marketing around the shoe, how they want to position the shoe. And they said it has helped sales tremendously by having it banned by the NBA. So, like, I don't know what testing the NBA did. I don't know if they found it to actually be or to actually offer an unfair competitive advantage to any player that could potentially wear them. Like I said, this is an issue that is very small and limited in scope. So there hasn't been much outside testing that I could find. If you have information, that's great. Uh, if you happen to know, that'd be good. Because I would like to know. Because I was curious when when looking into it. I'm like, oh, do these actually offer offer what they say they do? Because the company itself is going to say, yes, this is going to help you jump higher. They're saying it's supposed to add uh, 3.5 inches to your jump. But the few videos that I watched of people jumping in them or trying to dunk in them, they weren't really able. They didn't. To me, it didn't look like much difference. I mean, even in the standing jumps where they were able to jump a little bit higher because they like marked it by like having like a sticker against the wall and how high they could put the sticker. It was a bit higher, but I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't like, oh, wow, it's really higher. Like, wow, okay, it's definitely, like, no one came out saying, like, oh, man, it, I, my game is transformed now. It was kind of like, maybe. Most people didn't seem to know if it was effective. <laughs> they were kind of like, yeah, maybe I did a little bit better. So, to me, that's not, like, a ringing endorsement. And, I don't know, even on, like, the site itself, it does have a little thing saying it depends on, like, your weight, athleticism, your technique different things like that. So I'm not entirely convinced, but for the purpose of this argument, they are banned by the NBA for perceived competitive advantage. So there you go. 
Okay, so that will wrap up this episode, revisiting the Air Jordan 1, because like I said, there's been a larger move now to say that the Airship is the shoe that was actually banned when, in reality, neither shoe was banned, because like I said, once you change the colors out and you were in compliance with the rules at the time for your shoes, you could wear them. And like I said, they did not offer a competitive advantage, as we saw with questions around the Vaporfly and other shoes that mimic the Vaporfly. That will be all for this week. So I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And thank you so much for listening. Everyone, please stay safe. Peace.